Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this in Bristol, Connecticut, outside the gates of ESPN, the worldwide leader in sports. The network that changed how we view sports and hopefully for their sake will continue to change themselves. I'm continuing my sentimental journey throughout the Northeast. I've gone through Massachusetts and everything. This is my trip through Connecticut right now. Is uh, took me to the town of Willimantic, Connecticut which is, you know, where I was born and where I feel, uh, you know, a real, no real attachment to, really. It's just dot in the map. It's where I was born. I have no memories there. I think the time driving through there now is probably the longest I've ever spent there in my life after the age of reason. Hell, after the age of two. So I'm coming along, and as I'm going around Connecticut, I said, I'm going to swing by Bristol. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, this is the thing about when you're on the East Coast as opposed to, or, you know, I'm, I'm lived most of my life and most of my time in the West Coast. Now I'm a West Coast person. Now I'm a resident of California. I go up and down California. I go to Pullman, Washington. Uh, your pal Sully's going to live probably the rest of his life on the West Coast, unless, unless I get hired by someone to basically have a dream job. You know, I'm trying to think of a company in the East that would want to hire a guy like Sully and give me a platform and give me a chance to earn a living and, I don't know, maybe be in a place where I can afford a nice big house and if only there were a place. Hey, wait a minute. What about this place I'm standing in front of right now? Hey, look at that. ESPN, the Entertainment and Sports Network. Entertainment was thrown in there because when this company was founded, everyone thought it would be cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs to have an entire channel devoted simply to sports. So they threw entertainment in there as well, just to give them an out. Just to give them some space. Yeah, we'll show some movies too, don't worry. This is a absolutely fascinating company. I've read several books about it and, you know, those, uh, was it, the, those guys have all the fun and there's an ESPN story as well, uh, another book about it. It's fascinating. It's here in Bristol because, you know, two people felt that they could buy a lot of land in Connecticut and build a, 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 a studio here. And they got involved with a company that was going to shoot a satellite into space. And they just had room for one more television network. And they just happened to latch onto it and try to fill up their channel with all sorts of crap, garbage, and silliness. When they didn't have the rights to show anything. And now it became a, you know, it became a monolith. It became an empire. And, you know, lest we forget, changed everything about how sports are presented and how we consume them. You know, for anyone who was 
born after the rise of ESPN. It, it, the way that sports were consumed beforehand must be absolutely, would be bewildering. And, and sometimes I wonder, how did I remain such a, a big sports fan? Of course, I, you know, I came of age when ESPN was coming of age. So you know, ESPN was founded in the late 70s, and I got cable TV in the mid-80s, and that was really a perfect time because we, we moved across country, and I had to follow my own team. But uh, let me explain to you. If you were a sports fan and you wanted to follow the games, you wanted to follow your team, you wanted to follow what was happening, you basically had to wait for the end of the 6 o'clock news, the 11 o'clock news, or sometimes it was a 10 10 o'clock news, and you would see the reports of the team, and then there would be a, you know, blink and you'll miss it, out-of-town scoreboard. Zoom, 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 zoom. And there was very seldom seldom highlights from out-of-town games, unless it was something truly significant. I remember once in 1979, I was watching Bob Lobel, who was the guy in Boston for sports, and they were doing a recap of basically the Red Sox, and they showed one game that was out of town, it was a game at Comiskey Park with the White Sox, and it was the Disco Demolition Day, where if you brought in a disco album, they were going to blow up a giant pile of these disco albums uh, in between a double, the games of a double header, and when all the records blew up, there was a giant riot on the field, and I remember I turned to my dad, I said, What's happening there? And my dad said, there was a riot. I said, why is there a riot? Well, because they brought in disco albums and they blew them up. And I can tell you, that didn't help. But if you wanted to see highlights of other teams and other games, it was imperative to have a show like the George Michael Sports Machine or This Week in Baseball. That was like the only time you saw out-of-town games and out-of-town highlights. And ESPN, having Sports Center, having Baseball Tonight, having the, the platform to show highlights of other games, to have analysis of other games, and putting the attention on some sports that got no attention. Events that were not televised. And basically changed how we look at things. Changed not only how we look at things, but how we expect to get uh, our information. What we feel we are entitled to. You know, if you go to ESPN and you knew that like, it was something like every 20 minutes, they would have the little update, little thing pop up on the, the bottom part of the um, screen while they're showing a motocross or they're showing lacrosse being played or something crazy like that. And they would have the updates of the game. So what's happening in the game? Let's go to ESPN and find out. You don't have to wait for 11 o'clock. Now, of course, you know, that's now seems like snail pace, but you know, in the late eighties, early nineties, that was intense. And it was because it was ostensibly a neutral station.
it wasn't a Boston station, it wasn't a Los Angeles station, it was all the country station. We'll get to that in a minute. I know some of you are screaming about bias. It changed what we expected to see, how we expected to consume our sports. The idea of waiting for 11 o'clock to see what happened. No, 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 no. No. We can see it sometimes as the game's progressing. I'll never forget the time that I really understood the power of ESPN was 1993. It was in between my junior and senior year of college. And I spent a lot of time with my father in Connecticut. We spent a lot of time in Fairfield, where I'm going to be doing, you know, there'll be a podcast in Fairfield later on this week. And we were at, my father and I spent a lot of time on the beach on the Long Island Sound. And my dad is a diehard San Francisco Giant fan. Now, I don't know if you remember 1993. But that was the year, the last year before they split the divisions into three. There were still only two divisions. And for reasons I'll never understand, Atlanta was in the West. Atlanta is an Eastern team. They're in the West. And that was the year the Giants finished with 103 wins and missed the playoffs because the Braves won 104. It went down to the last day of the season, and the Giants were a great team. And, and actually, they didn't choke because they actually played winning ball down the stretch. But the Braves played like 800 ball. It was, it was They were winning like 8 out of every 10 games. It was insane. But down the stretch in August and September, those two teams were basically doing anything you can do, I can do better. And they kept trading off wins left and right. And so my dad and I, we were in Connecticut, and Baseball Tonight and ESPN was constantly on and waiting for that little that little thing to pop up with the updates, where you could see what was happening during the course of a game. Oh, it's a sixth inning. The Giants are winning. The Braves are losing. What's that going to be? My and it was so amazing that you could follow it. Instead of waiting for the final result, or what sometimes would happen on the East Coast, lest we forget, it would say late score. You'd pick up the newspaper the next goddamn morning, and you still wouldn't know what happened. You had to wait another day. Instead, you could follow it to what seemed like in real time. You could follow it as it was happening. And baseball tonight had the, you know, the Chris Berman and, and, and I think Roy Smalley. I can't remember everyone who was on there. And, and this is when you still had Keith Olbermann. You still had Dan Patrick. You still had Mike Tirico. You, you had such an amazing Bob Lee, Linda Cohn, Robin, you know, Robin it's all these amazing people who were there who we considered. That was, I don't want to say it's the glory years, but it was the time when I think ESPN came of age and... Sports fans like me understood what it could, what you could see, and it changed that pennant race, which was so exciting. Anyway, we could follow what was happening in San Francisco and in Atlanta while we were in Connecticut. Right now, if you're a young kid, you don't understand the significance of that. 
happened because of this company that I'm looking at right now. Yes, yes, they focused a lot on the Red Sox and the Yankees, especially when those two teams became juggernauts in the early 2000s. But guess what? ESPN happens to be a money-making company. They're run by Disney. I did a whole podcast on this. I'm not going to go into it again right now. But their job is not to promote the rest of baseball. Their job is to get Disney stock to rise and to get as many eyeballs on ESPN as possible. And during that time, the Red Sox and Yankees were great, had all the stars, and got the highest ratings. They're not going to go put on the Astros versus the Marlins, even though those two teams were good. Because they're not transplanted Marlins fans, they're not transplanted Astro fans. It's not that hard to figure out. And yes, you could say that their coverage, when they would show the highlights, focused on some stars and they focused on some things and didn't focus on others, much to the consternation of some fans in small markets, some hockey fans, women's basketball fans, who felt that their sports were being slighted. It's another thing that's going to be very difficult for people who have come of age on, in the on-demand era of the internet to realize how powerful ESPN was as dictating what the national conversation was going to be in terms of a sport. I used to watch SportsCenter all night long. Sometimes I would fall asleep with ESPN on, and they played SportsCenter over and over again. It would be the, the version with Craig Kilborn late at night. And you'd watch SportsCenter... And then you'd watch baseball tonight, and then you'd watch Sports Center again. And part of it was because of the personalities. You want to see what's Olbermann going to do? What's Dan Patrick going to do? What's Kilborn going to do? What's Stuart Scott going to do? What are these people going to do? What are they going to say? And also, you want, you know, maybe a game was not complete when the last sports center was on, so you're going to watch the next sports center to see how the game ended. And of course, it became a big deal of what's the lead story in sports center going to be. And of course, it was going to be Jordan in the mid 90s. Jordan was like Muhammad Ali, he was this massive figure. Of course, it's going to be Tiger Woods in the late 1990s, and of course it was going to be the Red Sox and Yankees in the early 2000s. Of course football is going to lead off. Why? Because football gets the most eyeballs. It's the biggest television sport in the country. And so, yeah, it could become frustrating. I remember my buddy Richie Duncan getting frustrated at the hockey coverage, that during the Stanley Cup Finals, that they were having a hard time getting the front page of the, of the, of the show, of SportsCenter. But we are now in a position where that sort of kingmaking from this company that I'm looking at is not as important. That the personalities are not as important. And this is something that ESPN has to realize. That they changed it. They changed how we consume. They changed what we expect. They change what we feel we're entitled to. And yet, that speed 
and that demand that they created. We didn't know we wanted it. We assumed we had to wait for the scores. We assumed we had to wait for late at night. We didn't know this was a possibility. They showed us the possibility, but then it got bigger than them and it got faster than them. Seriously, as I said before, I would watch Sports Center probably two or three times a day. I can't remember the last time I sat down and watched Sports Center. It may have been in a hotel room. It may have been like when I was in Pullman or something like that. But maybe not even then. Because if I want to get highlights, if I want to know what happens, I'll go to my phone. I'll go to my tablet. Forget waiting for the da-da-ding, da-da-ding. I'll watch the damn game live. And I will watch exactly what I want to watch. The in-demand world of consuming products, sports or whatever, has it be that you can follow exactly what you want to follow. And no one can dictate to you what the top thing is going to be. Now, you could have, there there could be suggestions and things will be pushed to the front of the order. But if I want to go through my life, and i said this before, I don't know who was drafted in the NFL draft. I can't tell you one damn name. I don't know a single player who was drafted in the NFL draft. I know Ben Simmons was drafted in the NBA draft. Now, there was a period of time I knew who was drafted in the NFL draft, and I knew who was drafted in the NBA draft because I was watching SportsCenter. And you couldn't avoid it. So you knew. And even someone like me, it became something that I learned through osmosis. Now... I, I go right to baseball. Some of you go right to Sully baseball. The fact that I can be a personality in some of your lives, instead of going to the gate here, I can't walk into ESPN right now. There's a, there's a security gate about maybe you know 50 yards from where I'm standing right now. And symbolically, that would have been a gate that says, oh, I want some people to hear what I have to say in the world of sports. I got a funny personality. I got a funny take. And only those who are go through that door are going to be allowed to give their takes. Well, now I don't need to go through that door. Oh, I'd like to be able to be to make some money doing this. But if I told you when I was watching that 1993 pennant race with my father, that what, 23 years later, there would be literally hundreds of you listen to me every single day. Listen to me talk about anything about baseball 365 days a year. 366 this year. I would have thought, oh my God, what what has happened to the planet? I don't even understand what you're talking about. Through the phone, do I call everybody? No. No. Now, of course, because it's so many people can write, so many people can create content, so many people can create videos, it's a wonderful thing. But it also means that there's so much stuff out there. It's not concentrated in a place like ESPN. In that sense, it's a good thing because we can say what we want, we could create takes and, and, and humor and points of view that may not have found the airtime on ESPN, may not have found that place on that satellite that was shot up from Bristol, and yet maybe 
<laughs> there's, there's so many of us talking that I don't know. Is there are there more people talking than people listening? I don't know. I, as I said, people are listening to me right now. But ESPN has to find a way to adapt to it, and it isn't coming up with a new set for Sports Center. They created this, but it's starting to move away from them. I bet in 15 years, the Super Bowl will be on the NFL Network. The World Series will be on the MLB Network. The NBA Finals will be on the NBA Network. That it won't be network. I think the concept of network television, I don't know how much longer that's got. And it may just be, where do I watch baseball? On the baseball channel. Where do I consume this? Logically, where would you go? I'm going to go to my Red Sox. I'm going to press this button for Red Sox again. Press this button for Celtic games. It's, it's practically there now. So the purpose of ESPN that set in motion this change of how we consume things, change how personalities like me could be heard. You know, I'm a product of the ESPN world. I'm a product of the ESPN consumption. I watch so much ESPN and having that sense of loving sports and having a kind of a smirk on your face and a sense of humor about it. Gee whiz. I wonder where I got that from. And I happen to be born right down the street from here. It's, as I said, it's the East Coast, so states are so small. You know, it's in the West Coast, states are gigantic. Here, it's, you know, Connecticut is, you know, slightly larger than Glendale, California. Yeah, you know, I, I met someone who said, you know, he's from Rhode Island. I said, oh, what town? He said, oh, near Providence. I said, no kidding. Everything in Rhode Island is near Providence. Have you seen it? But the fact of the matter is I'm a product of what ESPN created. Sully Baseball is influenced by SportsCenter, by Baseball Tonight. There's a sense of humor, there's pop culture references, there's, you know, I, I, I try to tackle certain subjects that may be outside the lines. I try to have a point of view, I try to be informed, I try to be provocative, I try to be, but I also try to be fun, and I try to be a respite. That's why you watch sports. Who's on today? Oh, who's that with Kilbourne? I don't know them. You know, when, when it was Olbermann and, and Dan Patrick, you said, oh, these are the best. So, I'm a product of that. Now, I'm looking, ESPN has to adapt. Otherwise, it will go away. Many, many things that set in motion larger, greater you know, social <laughs> uh, the platforms have gone away. How often do you use AOL? How often do you get your cool electronics from a place like Radio Shack? How often do you use a VCR or a DVD player for that matter? Seriously. Think about what all those things I just mentioned. I bet a lot of you did your first snooping around on the internet on AOL. I know I did. How many VHS 
movies did you have? And you learned to consume movies at home and videotape stuff and tape stuff and changed how you viewed television. Do you tape stuff anymore? No, of course you don't. How many of you have the giant stacks of CDs and you go or go around with a Walkman? That changed a lot of things. Do you use a Walkman often? Do you use a cassette player often? Do you watch ESPN often? ESPN has to adapt. Otherwise, it will be a Walkman. It will be AOL. I don't know what that adaptation is going to be. But it has to be something where it realizes that the way we're consuming sports is even faster than they originally thought of. But with that in mind, I say we pay our respects. I say we take a look at this place and tip your proverbial cap. Don't poo-poo it. Don't say, hey, you know, you're out of date, you're out of fashion, you're a dinosaur. Because they changed everything here. Now, they may not have be keeping up with the pace of what they created. And who knows, if I come back here in 20 years, what I'll see here. Things can disappear. Or things can adapt. You see companies all throughout, you know, all throughout the country that have adapted. And you see other companies that have gone the way of the dodo. I hope ESPN continues. I truly, truly do. Why? Because this network gave me a lot of happiness and gave me a sense of the possibility of not just liking sports, consuming sports, and being a part of being a fan, especially when I'm mobile. I used to do shows, stand-up comedy shows, all across you know, up and down from Maine to Mississippi to Alabama to Florida, all over the place. And I want to see who won the game. I could turn on ESPN and find out. And it wouldn't just be the Decatur, Alabama high school marching band on television. And I have to wait for 11 o'clock to see the scores zoom by at the speed of sound. No. I was able to change how I consume things because of this company. Yeah, yeah, there's parts of it that seem dated, parts of it may seem quaint. But look at the device you're using right now. And of course you're listening to me on a device. Unless you're sitting here outside the parking lot of ESPN, the only way you're hearing me is through the internet, through a device, through your computer, a tablet, a smartphone, whatever the hell it is. Look at that. I don't care if it's the brand new model. There will come a point where you will look at that and snicker and say, man, look at how old-fashioned that is. Seriously. Every piece of technology that I mentioned earlier, AOL, Walkmans, DVD players, VHS recorders, were at one point the mind-boggling cutting edge of technology. And they are now all probably, if you have one, they're using it to prop open you know, a window or level a table that's a little wobbly. ESPN. Pay your respects. Even if they don't adapt. Even if they go away. It has become 
a standard that when you think of sports broadcasting, you think of sports consumption, this, where I'm looking at right now, is where it all changed. And you know what? That's worth my respect. So go to MLBReports.com to see the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, everywhere. All of those will be obsolete at one point. You could be old school and send me an email. You know, an email was brand new, cutting edge, was mind-boggling to everyone. Now, that's considered quaint. If you are quaint, send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Went a little long today, but I had a lot to say from outside the offices of ESPN in Bristol, Connecticut. This is the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.